Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. But thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. When I was 13, the dawning of a new millennium took place on New Year's Eve. While people were fearing the worst with the Y2K bug, or out partying and drinking, I was home alone. In 1996, my parents had split up and from there they divorced and my mother and I moved across the country from Oregon to Tennessee with her best friend. On the eve of the year 2000, I was home alone and my mother was currently out of state. Now, this didn't worry me as this was not the first time. I often came home alone to find a note on the kitchen counter saying that they'd gone to Florida for a few days and that there were groceries in the fridge and whatnot. Since the divorce, she was regularly leaving me alone for long periods of time to go to Florida, but we lived on a relatively quiet road surrounded by trees and set a few miles out of town, and I knew most of the people, if not by name then by face, enough to wave and small chat with and had never before been given a reason to be afraid of being alone. On the night in question, though, I was staying up late watching television. I remember that I was watching the movie His Bodyguard on USA Channel, and had most of the lights on in the house, not because I was afraid, but because at 13, I wasn't really concerned with electricity bills or saving the environment. I felt completely safe and protected with my little bubble of a home. As I was watching the movie, though, I kept hearing these weird sounds outside, but I remember thinking that it was probably just the neighbors. Though they weren't extremely close, a couple of them were having a party and people over for the holiday season, and about halfway into the movie, however, the power in the house just suddenly went dead. I sat on the couch for a minute, just sort of in a panic daze, because it was near midnight and pitch black. I remember thinking the power must have gone out and that it would come back on. 
so I just decided to sit on the couch with my blanket and wait it out. A few minutes passed by when I heard a noise in the kitchen where the back door is, and my heart started racing in my chest because I thought it sounded like the back door being shut. The back door sits just off the dining room, which is connected to the kitchen, which leads directly into the living room where I was currently sitting on the couch. A few seconds passed after I had heard the sound, and I was straining my ears to pick up anything that wasn't supposed to be there. Every noise suddenly felt magnified, and when footsteps sounded on the floor, I immediately slithered off the couch onto all fours, crawled around the ottoman, and started as slowly and as quietly as I could to make my way toward the space between the love seats and the couch. I knew that I could fit under the side table and be completely hidden by the dark in the ottoman, from playing hide-and-go-seek in the dark many, many times with my friends during sleepovers. I was nearly there when the footsteps became more apparent. I knew from the sound of them that whoever it was was making their way through the kitchen now toward the living room. They weren't hurried or anything. It was like they were just moving around in the kitchen. I glanced up from where I was crouched on the floor and, to my horror, there was a dark silhouette standing in the archway between the two rooms. To my credit, I didn't scream, but I did panic. I stood immediately to my feet from the hiding spot and ran down the hallway, and I believe the only reason why I wasn't overcome was because the person chasing me had to get around the ottoman in the dark to follow me. I did what all children do when they're afraid, and I bypassed the front door, the guest bedroom, the bathroom, and ran to the father's door down the hallway, my room. In all honesty, I probably wouldn't have been able to even get to the front door, unlock it, and open it in time, as it was right off the side of the couch. When I was 10, I got a bird for my birthday. He was a blue-fronted Amazon, and I named him Boo. Because it was October and close to Halloween, Boo had a large iron cage. It could have been metal, but very large and sturdy and like 6 feet tall, and it was kept in my room despite the fact that Boo, like me, pretty much had the run of the house whenever he wanted now, as I ran into the room, I slammed the door shut and I locked it. However, the lock was simply one of those little turn knobs that you could easily pop with a button knife. I had barely gotten the door shut and locked when the person on the other side knocked on it. I have no idea when they knocked, if they did it to mock me or to scare me, but I knew in my heart that my little lock was not going to keep whoever it was on the other side out of my room. I mean, it didn't keep my mother out when we were arguing and it wouldn't stand up to brute force. I was panicking and on the verge of tears when the person started laughing. It was low, quiet, and because of that, it was even more frightening. It wasn't like manic laughter, but it was as if they were genuinely amused. And it was that laughter that really frightened me and I started heavily, hysterically crying and looking around my room to figure out what I could do. That was when I realized that Boo's cage would fit almost perfectly between the door and the wall of my closet. The cage moved quietly on my carpeted floor, but as I pushed it into place, it scraped against the door and alerted whoever it was on the other side that I was trying to barricade myself in. Because suddenly, they threw themselves at the door and you could hear the sound of the wood splintering and the door handle being twisted violently. Boo, who had been stirred by the movement, awoke and began literally screaming and flapping his wings. I might have screamed with him, but honestly, I don't remember screaming and I just remember being extremely scared. 
Terrified, I crawled under my bed, or couch. It was a bunk with a futon on the bottom, metal, and then I just waited. Several minutes passed and the person eventually stopped attacking my door. Boo continued screaming even after he'd stopped. No being under my bed gave me no feelings of being secure. I didn't come out from under it because I simply had nowhere else to go. I thought about trying to go out the window, but I was afraid that he might expect it and therefore be waiting for me on the other side. And it was also several feet off the ground, as the house was built on a raised foundation. I remember laying under my bed terrified for what felt like hours, honestly. I must have fallen asleep too, because I awoke the next morning to daylight. The fear of what happened came back to me as soon as I registered where I was and why, and scared that whoever had been in my house might still be there, I decided to crawl out the window and run to a neighbor since it was daylight outside, and therefore I felt less afraid. Crawling out of a window is actually a lot harder than it looks, and I did it less than gracefully, as I was not, and still am not, the most coordinated human being. But once I got back on my feet, I carefully made my way around the house, and that's when I noticed that the back door was wide open. Scared but feeling braver now that I was outside and that it was morning instead of pitch black night, I walked up the back steps and peered inside. Seeing nothing out of the ordinary, no terrifying men leering at me, basically, I decided to go inside. Looking back, I cringe on how stupid I was and just how this could have turned out, and I wish I could have told my younger self to make the smarter move and just go for help, but thankfully, no one was inside the house. I did a terrifying, heart-pounding room-to-room check, looking in closets and under beds, behind the couch, and anywhere I thought that even a small child might be able to fit. I even popped the lock on my mum's bedroom so that I could check it, and then relocked it afterwards. And when I was positive that there was nobody there, I went back to lock the back door. I had left it open in case I needed to escape, and noticed that the breaker box on the opposite wall was open, and that the main switch had been pulled. I flipped it back on, locked both locks on the back door, checked all the windows in the front door, and then I called my mum, where I once again broke down crying hysterically. She called a co-worker who came and stayed the entire day with me as they drove back. My mum still took random trips to Florida after that, but I always went with her from then on forward. Oh, and uh, by the way, my mum actually had to help lift me back into the bedroom window so that I could move Boo's cage out of the corner between my bedroom door and the closet and that we never had another incident at the house and we moved into town to an apartment about a year later. So I was around 10 or 11 years old when this happened. Old enough to stay home alone but not old enough to recognize some of the red flags. I attended a camp over the summer, the typical age of three routine. My house sits close to the end of my street, which forms a U as well, but for some reason the bus driver would never drop me off at my house. I would always get dropped off at the end of my street, where I would toddle myself along back home. Both my parents worked late hours and sometimes not getting home until 8pm, and it would be very expensive to hire a babysitter for four to five hours a day, five days a week. So, starting 6th grade, when the bus dropped me off at home, I would just be by myself. 
I'd do the usual middle school routine, play games online and watch some TV and occasionally my neighbor's cat would come into my backyard and I would feed and pet her as a way to get outside. The only computer in the house was in my dad's workroom which has a window overlooking the deck and a window overlooking the side of the house. We have large bay windows in the living room, dining room and the kitchen of my house and since we sit on a hill you can pretty much see the entire backyard from a nice vantage point. So most days when I get home I'd toss off my backpack and go right to that room and you could see me walk from my front door and pop up by the computer from the outside. Unfortunately this would lead to something that I had forgotten about up until now. So when I got off the bus, I did as expected, go into my dad's workroom and play the computer games and about 30 minutes into this, I can hear faint meowing coming from outside the window. I pause the game and look outside, thinking that maybe my neighbor's cat had wandered over, but there was nothing. I just sat back down and resumed playing, only to hear the meowing again. It was quiet but noticeable and so I checked the other window nothing again. This routine happened for a good 10 minutes and eventually I got frustrated and went into the living room to watch some TV. But not even two minutes later, meowing came from the window that I was sitting right beside. But now I was confused and honestly a little creeped out as well so I shut the blinds and kept trying to watch TV. The meows continued, but only when they came from the window right behind me did I jump and leave the living room, officially skeeved. I went into my bedroom where the blinds were down, but still cracked for some sunlight. I tried to read a book, only to hear a meow come from outside of my bedroom window. This was enough to make me call my dad, concerned that maybe the cat was hurt, but I couldn't see it to be sure. He said that he would have a neighbor come to check it out and call me back later. Ten minutes go by and I get a call from my dad saying that he was coming home from work. There was nothing urgent in his voice, just that his job had gotten cancelled and he would come home early. I didn't think anything of it and when he got home I realised that the cat noises had stopped. Fast forward to the present and I actually asked my dad about the strange incident, thinking that it was funny that the cat had followed me around like that. But what he told me next made my blood run cold. After I called him, the neighbor did indeed come to check out the house. And what he found were large footprints leading in circles all around the house, clustered close to the wall so that even if I looked outside, I wouldn't see anything. Which means that someone had been stalking me through my house, seeing where I was through the windows, and making cat noises to try to get me to come outside. They must have known that I was home alone since it was easy to see me walk by myself down the street and let myself in like that. My neighbor immediately called my dad and searched the property but didn't find anyone. The police were never called since there was nothing but footprints that led off into the woods and got lost and I never saw anyone either. But my dad stayed home with me for the rest of the week. It sickens me though to know that there are people who would use these tactics to try and lure kids out of their homes and from there, do whatever they wanted to do. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. 
That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Until recently, I, a 22 female, was doing door-to-door election work, getting people registered to vote and stuff like that and had to quit because I was made acutely aware of just how easily I could end up in a very dangerous situation. At my job, we all got driven out in a van to different areas and dropped off alone for about 8 hours until we got picked back up. We each had an iPad with a list of addresses and the names of the people living at those addresses as well as their age and gender, so we generally had an okay idea of whether or not the person who answered the door was the person who we were looking for. Quite often, though, a family member would answer the door and then go and get the person that I was trying to speak with, so having a random person answer the door wasn't completely unusual at all. It was also an unusually cold day and was around 8pm, so already dark. So, when a guy in his late to mid-twenties asked me to step inside for a moment while he got his father, who was the person that I was looking for, I felt a little uneasy, but I didn't want to be rude especially since he asked me if I needed water or a bottle or anything. After I stepped inside though, he closed the door saying that he didn't want to let the heat out and then said that he was going to get his father from the kitchen. While I was waiting for them to come back, I stepped further in, away from the door so that I could pet his dog, who was very friendly. All of a sudden, I realized the guy was just behind me, in between me and the door because I'd walked forward towards the dog and there was a hallway running perpendicular to the direction of the front room that ended close to the front door, if that makes sense. This guy then told me that he'd been mistaken, and his dad actually wasn't at home. I honestly think that my brain just froze for a couple of minutes because I just kind of stood there, staring at him and unable to understand what was happening. The guy then started asking very personal questions, and the way that he was talking in his body language was much more intimidating and brazen than it had been before. I'm 5'8 and around 120, so not tiny, but this guy was a big guy. 
in the middle of him talking about how it's dangerous for a nice girl like you to be out by myself at night and how I should really be more careful, my phone rang. I didn't recognize the number but answered anyway and pretended like I knew who it was and that they worked with me. It was actually a telemarketer and I've honestly never been happier to get a call from anyone really. As I was on the phone, I mentioned the address that I was at and thanked them for being on their way. The guy tried to laugh it off and even told me to remember what he said about staying safe out there, but I honestly think that I would have been attacked if I hadn't have gotten that spam call. The scariest thing to me, though, was realizing later that he probably pretended to go look for his father out of my line of sight, just so that he could get a weapon or something, because otherwise... Why not just grab me as soon as I stupidly stepped inside? It was a near miss. Of that, I'm convinced. I was in grade 8 and it was summertime so it was really hot out. It was late at night, probably around 11pm or 12am or something. I was trying to sleep and my window was open because my room was hot. I had a screen on my window so that the bugs couldn't get in, obviously. So I was dozing off, about to fall asleep, when I heard something up against the house underneath my window. It sounded like a, a faint banging, maybe. I tried to ignore it, as sometimes parents have squirrels that run along their houses and whatnot. But then it got louder and closer, and I sat up in my bed trying to examine the sound, and it continued. I then called for my mom as her bedroom was across the hall and the sound just instantly stopped. My mom came in and told me to go back to sleep as she didn't hear anything and so I went back to sleep without incident. In the morning I woke up and carried on with my day. My mom had to do some yard work so she went outside in the backyard. A few minutes later she came rushing back inside into my bedroom. I was confused so I followed her and asked what was wrong. She didn't answer, but then in a panic, she went downstairs to talk to my dad. And it turns out that there was a six-foot ladder resting up against my bedroom window, and the screen of my window was cut wide open as if someone had taken a knife to it. My parents called the police, but nothing ever came of it. And I often wonder what would have happened to me if I didn't wake up and call for my mum that night. We moved into a new house when I was 10-ish years old. There was nothing special about the house, but I got a room in the basement which was way bigger than my old room, so I was thrilled. That didn't last long because the very first night that we slept there, come bedtime, I headed to my room. And as soon as I got to the stairs, I instantly regretted picking that room. It was dark and secluded and it really freaked me out at night. But I made my way downstairs and I climbed into bed. I fell asleep and I wake up at about 2 or 3 in the morning to hear a girl sobbing. It scared me pretty badly but it was coming from the side of the room and the door was on so I dare not make a run for it. The crying goes on for 5 to 10 minutes and then slowly just kind of winds down. I finally calm myself and eventually I go back to sleep. 
This happens every single night for months. I didn't want to tell my parents, so I asked my brother to sleep in the room with me. And every time that he slept in my room with me, not a sound. It's frustrating, but weird enough that I finally just kind of got used to it. Sometimes I wouldn't even wake up, but I know deep down that it was occurring while I was sleeping. Then, a few months later, I started dreaming of a girl in a wedding dress, but it looks like she was in a car accident. She was disfigured and scary as hell to me. She would always be sitting holding something, but in the dream I was always too scared to look. This dream also kept reoccurring for quite some time until the sound and the dream were pretty much every night's events. And this goes on and on and on, and as time passes, it bothers me less and less. Then one night, I wake up and I hear the same sobbing. I roll over and try to go back to sleep, but before I can notice, the cry starting to switch. It slowly goes from crying to this deranged laugh. This freaks me out badly for some reason. I panic and I get up and I run towards the door, even if it is towards the sound. I get to the door and the sound is right next to me. I don't know if the door was locked or if I was just panicked, but I couldn't open it too, and I started screaming and screaming at the top of my lungs. I hear the footsteps of my parents running towards me. I hear them running down the stairs, and I'm in complete panic. The door starts shaking like they're trying to open it, and as this is happening, I feel someone grab my arm, and at that, I just lose it. I'm ripping at the door and trying to get it open with my parents on the other side. I get it to finally open, expecting my dad on the other side. When I do, there's nobody there. The door is open though, so I run upstairs screaming and crying. Now that I'm upstairs, my parents finally hear me and they come out of their bedroom. I tell them everything and they just kind of look lost. But I told them right there and then that I would never go back down there again and they let me start sleeping in the living room. I never heard it again after that, and I never really went back downstairs too. Months later, we moved, and I kind of got over it, but that was definitely one of the scariest moments of all of my childhood. So this happened around nine years ago when I was 11. There was a girl at school called Amy who didn't have many friends. She was very quiet and honestly I thought that she was a bit strange but I felt like it would be a nice thing to befriend her. We got talking and she actually turned out to be really nice and we became best friends rather quickly. It got to the point where I spent pretty much every weekend at her house and then we would walk to school together as well. Even at my age I knew that there was something weird about her dad though Kevin. He was very interested in me, it seemed, and always tried to play fight and stuff, which is weird in itself. Whenever he was around, I also felt weird. He was a short fat man with grey white hair, always had a weird smirk on his face and really wide eyes. It started off with stealing bits of my food when I wasn't looking and then laughing and making sure to put his arms around my shoulders to apologise. He'd always be wherever we were, upstairs, downstairs or garden and... He just kind of always lurked about. There was a day too where Amy's nan was visiting, Amy's mother's mum, and Kevin kissed her nan on the mouth, hello, which was weird. Then it turned into the creepiest and sloppiest French kiss that I'd ever seen. Everyone except me and Amy found it funny. 
She put on a smile when her family looked over, but I was horrified. Maybe I shouldn't have gone back, I know, but I felt like I had to, for Amy's sake. After that, there was a day where we were playing in a room, and Kevin came in and started an argument over nothing. It got heated, and he grabbed a rubbish bag saying that he was going to throw all of her toys away. Of course, an 11-year-old is going to go mad if they think their dolls are being thrown away, so she was hysterical. We followed him downstairs where he told her that if she spoke to him like that again, she would regret it. It was then that he started to remove his belt. I mean, what the hell, right? She pushed me towards their front door, which is just in front of the stairs, so we could run out of it, but she was sort of half laughing as if she was trying to convince me that it wasn't serious. I could tell that it was though, but I got to the door and when I turned around and waited, Kevin slammed it shut but not the porch door, and then all I heard was Amy screaming at the top of her lungs. I was scared, but I didn't want to leave her, and so I just kind of stood there. Eventually, I found the courage to go back in, and I went upstairs to Amy, who was brushing her doll's hair. She smiled at me, but she had a tear-stained face. There were no visible marks, but all there was on show were her arms, so he could have really hit her anywhere. I then felt as if I had to protect her, so I continued going there and didn't tell my mum a thing. One night I woke up thirsty and we were close enough for me to just go get myself a drink, so I went upstairs and Kevin was laying there on the floor in the dark with nothing but tidy whities on and he just kind of weirdly stared at me. It was the, the creepiest thing too. Just the street lamp from outside shining through a gap in the blind lit up the room enough to see and I didn't get myself a drink. I just ran back upstairs. I wouldn't go there after that until I knew for sure that he wouldn't be there and I didn't sleep over anymore too. Anyway, I was talking to Amy recently and she actually opened up to me because she sent me her mental health assessment sheet. And when she was 10, she woke up to Kevin, well... You can probably guess the rest, her 15-year-old sister. Kevin isn't her sister's dad, but not like that makes anything better, right? Who was screaming for Amy. It also stated that he beat Amy on a regular basis. Her most recent was two years ago. He beat her up in front of a friend and her friend called the police. I told her the things that I'd seen and how I knew that something just wasn't right. All I know of him now is that He's in hospital suffering with COPD, and quite honestly, I don't care. I met Carter at a convention, and right off the bat, he kind of scared me. I heard rumors that he'd nearly been removed from the extremely liberal convention, but he seemed nice enough and kind of lonely, so I decided to befriend him since he insisted. But then I noticed that he was always just kind of nearby. When I was walking to my hotel, he was there. When I was eating lunch, he was there. When I was in my private group, he went in outside the door. When I went to meetings, he went to and sat beside me. He usually either walked up to me and started a conversation, which ended in awkward silence, or just kind of stared at me from 50 yards away. I couldn't believe that he was really following me, so I went to my hotel, disguised myself, and went outside to see if he was there. And he was. And I mean, literally lurking in the trees nearby. He pressured me into giving my number, so I gave him a fake one. 
He found my professional information and begged me to look over his work, which I declined. He asked if I'd be at a party and I lied and said no. He showed up anyway. Somehow he knew that I decided to go. He always talked about how lonely and depressed he was too and how I was a lifeline. Until, on my way home from the convention, I had no phone service during the flight. He freaked out and spammed like 49 messages until ending with, Okay, fine, I'm going to end myself now, just so you know strongly implying that it was my fault for not answering him immediately. I told him to call 911. I then blocked him. He contacted me through Instagram, Hangouts, email and more, but I never replied. In fact, I asked the convention security to speak with him about his creepy behavior and I was told to just turn your phone off. Fast forward a few months though and I get an email from James asking me to look over his work. Not a big deal. I run a program specifically for this sort of thing. I agreed since his email was very polite and well worded but he seemed pushy in a way that I couldn't figure out. I ignored it, reviewed his work and ceased communication but you can probably see where this is going, right? So a little while later he confessed that it was Carter all along. He put all the blame on me and apologized in a really horrible and kind of manipulative way, begging me once again to review his work. I never replied and here we are. So, I just got back home from an appointment in town and I can't seem to shake what I saw on the ride back. I was sitting in the passenger seat and it was around 8pm at this point so it was pretty dark out. I live in an area with a lot of homeless people so it's not uncommon for me to pass by them roaming around at night. I was just kind of staring at the window super absentmindedly, my eyes not even fully focused on the images going by, when I saw this older woman walking around by herself on the sidewalk. She had headphones on over her ears and she was in dirty clothing with a bunch of blankets draped over her shoulders. She was smiling and kind of pointing at something above her. She was laughing too, looking like she found whatever it was above her to be pretty amusing. I barely registered it because I just kind of assumed that it was another homeless person on drugs seeing something that wasn't there. But when I passed by, out of the corner of my eye... I saw something floating above her head, right where she was staring and pointing up at, and honestly, it looked like the bottom of someone's feet. It was like someone was standing right above her, wearing a long and ragged cloak. That's all I could make out from my view from the car window, but my eyes didn't even focus on it. And when I realized what I saw, I searched in all the mirrors and turned around in my seat to get a better look, but there was nothing there. And I mean... There wasn't even anything. No lampposts, no lights, nothing. Nothing that could have been mistaken for what I saw near the woman at least. There was only one of those tall wooden posts for electrical lines further down the street, but that was it. Now, the only explanation that I can think of is that the power of suggestion made my eyes play tricks on me or something. I'm a believer in the paranormal for sure, but... I'm also very skeptical when it comes to personal experiences like this because I know the mind is very good at making things up. But I just keep thinking about it and I know that there was nothing else on that street. I also know what I saw. Does anyone know what this might have been? 
I have no idea why now, out of all times, that I would see something like this and why there was a woman that seemed to be able to see it too. The whole situation just has me really confused. So back when I was around the age of 14, I lived with my dad, my two older brothers, and my older sister in this small house that we used to call the Greenhouse. We had a fairly big backyard for our four blue-nosed pits to enjoy, and a regular-sized front yard, but a small living space inside the house. Although old, it was a cozy place and felt quite welcoming as a whole. Anyways, one night, all of my siblings were in the boys' room, my brother's room, playing on their PS3, and I, for some reason, didn't want to be in there, so I went into the living room, which is right outside the boys' room. I say for some reason because when I was younger, I was very scared of being alone in the dark, so that was pretty unusual for me to do. All the lights off were in the rooms and I was just kind of sitting on the couch playing with my sister's DS. I was playing a Spongebob game and that was my whole source of light. I'm sitting in the corner and to the left of me is my brother's room and straight in front of me is the doorway to the kitchen. In the middle of playing on the DS, I just pointed the screen at the doorway of the kitchen to light it up so that I could see, but there was nothing. It wasn't like a force or impulse that made me point the light, but more of a, an unconscious movement. After no more than 20 seconds had passed, I did it again and pointed my sister's DS to the doorway, but this time I saw her. She was a young girl crawling with her hands and feet across the doorway upside down on my ceiling. She had long black hair that dangled. Her eyes were dark red, but her body was very pale and it looked as if her body glowed a bit. She stopped in the middle of the doorway like a deer caught in headlights. I could see her whole body and she turned her head and we made eye contact. I don't know how long I stared at her emotionless, but after some time, I shut my hand down to hide the light and after a few seconds, I pointed it back up and she was just gone. I remember that I kept asking myself over and over again, why didn't she scare me? Why didn't I feel scared when we were making eye contact? It confused me a lot and after sitting there for a bit, I called out for my sister to go into the kitchen and turn on the light. It confused me a lot and after sitting there for a bit, I called out for my sister to go out to the kitchen and turn on the light. The light switch was right under the spot the little girl was crawling around. She was skeptical but went and turned it on anyways and after she did, I got up to investigate but after finding nothing, I confessed to what just happened. I know that it was really messed up for me to send my sister in there blindly like that but I hope you can understand that I was worried afterward and needed some comfort and reassurance from the light being turned on. To this day, I really don't know what I saw or if it was all just in my head or what. All I know is that, whatever it was, this girl had an emptiness to her. I don't know if she meant any harm, and I never actually saw her again after that. I experienced many more paranormal events, but not in the greenhouse, so I don't know. The whole situation is a, a strange one, for sure. This happened back in the 90s when I was still in primary school, so I really had no clue how much danger I was actually in. I would have been around 11 years old, I think, living in a regional city of Australia. 
and for the last year I had been having a lot of trouble at school, getting bullied a bit by classmates and whatnot, and felt really singled out by my teacher as well. But my mum, she worked around the corner from my school, so when everything would get too much at school, I would literally just walk out of class, down the road, and onto her work site. It would take me about half an hour to walk there, along a main road. A couple of times I noticed a small white car drive past me slowly, but I only noticed this because I would see the same car go up and down the street as I was walking and while I was sitting outside of my mum's work site too. So after a while, I started seeing this car driving up my street at home and parked along the street as well that my brother and I would ride our bikes around in. I don't remember thinking that it was strange because it was a small town and it wasn't unusual to see the same cars or people. It was just like, oh, there goes that car again. My family followed a serious routine. Mondays were swimming and shootering, Tuesdays were netball training, Wednesday netball game, Thursday basketball training, Fridays we would go and see a professional basketball or football, depending on the season, game, Saturday was my brother's basketball games, and Sundays were our day to go to the river with friends for swims and a barbecue lunch, and that never really changed unless someone was sick. So one Friday night, I'm dressed and ready to go watch this basketball game, but I can't find my shoes. I'm pretty sure that they're in the car, which is in the garage under our two-story house. And to get to it, I have to walk down the outside steps at the front of the house, which has a full view of the road. I walk out the front door, and at the end of our driveway is a small white car. Now, I've never taken that much notice of the white cars up until this point, and it wasn't uncommon for cars to park in this exact spot for our neighbours, but I just, for some reason, got a sinking feeling in my stomach when I looked at it. I kept walking down the stairs, and as I got closer to the bottom, the driver's side door opens, and a man gets out quickly. I keep walking towards the garage, and he starts moving towards our driveway. And that was the point when something inside me just told me to scream for my parents and run and lock myself in the car. I did exactly that, and this guy, who was halfway up my driveway at this point, turned around and ran back to his car and just drove off. By the time my parents came out, there was no evidence that this had actually happened, and of course, they didn't believe me. A week later though, there was a notice in our school newsletter about a man in a white car attempting to abduct another child from my school on the same night. My parents were very shaken by this and took me seriously after reading that. I don't think that he was ever caught, but it definitely taught me to listen to my intuition and take notice of my surroundings from that point on. So, this was a hike up to Halfdome. We had a campground about 20 minutes drive away from the trailhead, and the group was composed of me, 18-year-old male, my uncle, 32-year-old male, and my uncle's friend, D. There were two girls too with us, but they aren't really relevant to the story. So, my uncle and his friend are both Christians, so there were no substances consumed that would induce the feelings that I'll be talking about. We get to our campsite too, and we set up camp and go to sleep after eating. We plan to wake up at 4 and start hiking by 4.30, but for some reason, I just randomly wake up at 3.30 in the morning, like completely wide awake, and look out of my hammock, and I remember feeling this really odd feeling as if I was woken up by something. 
and I remember looking at the moonlit scene. The moon was very bright for some reason, and thinking to myself that the whole thing just kind of looks like a dream. I lay back in my hammock, but I can't go to sleep, and end up waking up my uncle and my friend at 3.50. My uncle asks me, were you walking around at night? This is important, but I say no and ask why. He says that he woke up for some reason and could hear someone walking around. Not like an animal, but a person. I say, huh, weird, and in the end we just kind of brush it off. We get to the trailhead around 4.30 and as everyone is unloading the car, Dee says that he's going to use the bathroom, which there are a couple of them before the trailhead. I walk behind him for some time before falling behind and waiting for my uncle who forgot something in the car. The short straight road from the parking lot runs directly into a T-intersection with the road to the trailhead, and the bathroom is directly across from the intersection through the field a little. Those who have been there will know what I'm talking about. We get to the intersection and wait for Dee to come out of the bathroom. We wait for about 10 minutes before I go and check the bathroom, and he just isn't there. I get back to my uncle and tell him that, and he says, weird, and maybe he went back to the car or something and we decide to wait a bit more. By 5.10, we begin to worry a bit, and my uncle goes to check out the car while I wait at the intersection to make sure that we don't miss him if he went down the road or something away from the trailhead. My uncle returns and says that he isn't there either. We decide that maybe he went up the trailhead without us for some reason, and walk up there in about 10 minutes. He isn't there either, and we're just kind of baffled now because... There's just no other logical places that he would go. I decide to turn back and check the car in the bathroom again, but I meet him halfway before I get to the intersection. He's sweaty and disheveled with a weird look in his eyes, and I say, where have you been? And he says that he went to the bathroom, and when he got back to the intersection, that we weren't there, and that he just assumed that we went to the trailhead and started walking, and then met me. I say... What do you mean? We waited at the intersection for over an hour and a half and checked at the car, the bathroom and the trailhead and you weren't anywhere. He says, well, I don't know. I just went to the bathroom. He then asks me where my uncle is and I say at the trailhead and he asks me again. I tell him again and note that it was weird that he asked me twice. As we're crossing the bridge to the trailhead, he sees a light off on the riverbank and exclaims, Oh, maybe that's him. And I just look at him and kind of keep walking. I thought that his behavior was really strange, like he wasn't thinking straight or something. We finally get on with the hike and it goes by as normal, except that we seem to keep losing things. Such as my uncle's small red flashlight, one of the girl's gloves, a water bottle, etc. It was kind of like we just simply forgot about the items and couldn't remember where we could have left them. On the way back it got really dark and we turned on our flashlights, and as we near the end of the hike, after the two waterfalls, it begins to seem as if we'd been walking for far too long, and my uncle also confirms this, asking me, doesn't it seem like it's been way too long to get back? I say, yeah, I was just thinking that. We keep walking, and... It still seems that we weren't making any kind of progress, if that's the right word. I've been on that trail many times, and as I was walking, I couldn't spot any familiar landmarks. 
It was just really weird, and there was this odd feeling in the air too. Sort of a slight menacing feeling. It's, it's hard to describe. But I remember thinking that it feels like the woods are alive. We remark three more times about how long this hike is taking, and begin to laugh at it because it just felt so ridiculous. After a bit, we finally and suddenly find ourselves on the final stretch, and we eventually make it back to the car. Now, all of this seemed odd at the time, but I just kind of brushed it off. And I only realized just how weird those events felt after we got home, and my aunt asks my uncle, were you camping? And he says, yeah, how did you know? As we didn't tell them that we were going, since it was kind of last minute. She says that she had this odd dream where she sees my uncle in a tent in a forest somewhere and someone is outside of his tent. She says that she couldn't see who it was but knew that there was a presence there and then she woke up at around three and had the strong urge to pray for him and she did. My uncle kind of looks at me after that like, are you hearing this? And I honestly don't know what to make of any of this but... I wanted to post it here because I would love to hear your opinions. What do you guys think? I've been working as a guard for a few months and I noticed noises and just odd occurrences since my first day there. The layout of my patrol is a, a two-part office building, one side, the north side, using only a floor for offices, the second floor and the first floor for storage for spare chairs and cubicle walls. The other side, the south side, is abandoned when the company housed in that section moved to a new location, both floors being full with cubicles, chairs, desks. The posters date there to about 2013, I think. There's no files or personal property. All of that stuff is in the south section, but the lights don't work properly due to the weather damage in 2016. So, when I start my patrol, I start on the bottom floor of the north offices, which is mostly barren aside from a tornado shelter, the cubicle walls stored against a wall, and the janitor supply room. Down on this floor, though, I, I felt my jacket grabbed more than once while checking the area. The second floor with the offices is more active than the bottom floor though where chairs move and roll into the hallway and the sound of the filing cabinet slams shut all the time but when I check to see if anyone is around I find some half open and papers on the floor. The south building is the worst one though. The first day that I did a patrol I had chairs, not desk ones with wheels, move positions more than once and while I would like to blame my co-workers... Only two people have keycards to that building, security and maintenance. When I'm on the top floor, I have heard office doors slam and when I investigate to find the doors, I uh, routinely hear footsteps upstairs. My co-workers have claimed to hear voices and seen shadows as well. The closest thing that I've had happen besides the sounds was a flashlight, new batteries that I replaced the day before, constantly flickering on the bathroom floor of the south building and returning to normal when I leave. I'm actually going to try investigating some more of this sometime on Tuesday. I'm going to try and take a digital recorder in and see if anything happens. I'll also try to replicate the flashlight issue and see if it was just a hardware thing or not. Anyway, if you guys have any good tips on what I should do or what is the best way to try and capture this stuff, I'm all ease. Now... To this day, I 
Still cannot explain this. I don't know what happened this night, but it was about 11 and I was winding down for the night. I did my normal nightly routine, which included using the restroom and leaving a light on in the bathroom. Important for later. I do this so that I can see better when going to use the bathroom in the middle of the night. Oh, I climbed into bed and prepared to go to sleep. When not even three minutes into me laying down, with my eyes closed, I hear very clearly the voice of a woman whisper in my ear, I am here. At that point, I shot up right out of bed, but before I could do anything else, I hear footsteps walking up to my door and stop right outside of it. Now, this could have been a random noise, I admit, but what was worse is that I would see the shadow of two feet standing just on the other side of my door due to the light coming from the bathroom. At this point, I could barely move from the seated position that I was in in my bed. After about five minutes, I decided to turn on my TV so that I had some background noise. As the TV was powering on though, I started to hear the sound of someone breathing coming from under my bed. And I know that it wasn't just me because I could hear it even when I held my breath. So, naturally, I was in absolute terror and I could barely move from my bed and I stayed that way for about another two or so hours. I don't remember why exactly, but uh, at some point I needed to get out of bed and grab something, but I still occasionally was hearing breathing from under my bed. I felt better getting up knowing that I had a knife on my bedstand and I could defend myself if needed, so I got out of bed and decided to look underneath. I grabbed a flashlight and my knife and then looked and, to my shock, there was nothing. This definitely cleared up a little bit of the terror that I was feeling, but there were still feet on the other side of my door that had been standing there now for two hours. So I built up the courage and I opened the door quickly and yet again, there was nothing there. Even after clearing this up, I still didn't sleep at all that night. And to this day, I cannot fathom what happened that night. I don't know how to explain it, or if there even is an explanation. But if any of you guys have any thoughts on what it could have been, could you please let me know, because this happened about a month ago, and I haven't had any other experiences near this since, but it's left me pretty shaky. This happened in an old farmhouse a few miles away from where I live, and the case is actually unsolved to this day. I live in Bavaria, Germany. It's an area with a lot of mountains and forests, and the whole thing happened around a hundred years ago. So the family who lived in the farmhouse, along with two workers there, experienced many paranormal things, like foot trails in the snow, which just led to nowhere a few meters into the forest, strange sounds at night, and the youngest daughter telling the family that she was often visited by a tall man at night. Anyways, one morning, the whole family was just found dead in their beds. Everyone had their head smashed in with a blunt object. There were no signs that someone broke in and the doors were all locked when the police arrived. Also, nothing was taken from the family, not even a golden necklace that the mother owned which was right beside her bed and should have been obvious to any burglar. The police also stated that there had been a lot of hate involved in the crime because of the brutality. The police investigated the crime scene but they didn't find anything. Another weird thing happened in the barn too. 
They locked it to investigate it later because there wasn't anything remarkable at first. But when they returned later, there was a rope that was hanging with a knot from the ceiling. No one knew how it got there and it definitely wasn't there in the first place. And well, the case is around 100 years old and if it happened nowadays, the police would have probably been able to solve it with modern technology. But the paranormal things surrounding it really creeped me out. I've never visited the farmhouse, but many people say that it's still haunted, and I'm not sure about all that, but it's a disturbing story to say the least. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast, and please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.